Salut. Bienvenue au podcast de Tribble Trip. Welcome to the Travel Tribe Podcast. This week on the Travel Tribe X Podcast. We are joined by Taryn Pickard of Wayward Life Sailing, who discusses her experience of living on their Van de Stott Norman 40 sailboat with her partner Logan and their doggo Max. Currently sailing around Vancouver Island in the Pacific Northwest, we discuss the highs and lows of living on a sailboat, what the day-to-day looks like, monthly expenses and financials, and finally, the process of choosing and purchasing the right boat. Enjoy this week's episode of Travel Tribe X. How are you doing today, Taryn? Uh, I'm good. How about you? Yeah, doing good. Can't complain. Really excited to hear about your story today. Um, where are you joining us from today? Um, I'm on Vancouver Island, Canada. So I'm in a, inland, not on the boat right now, um, because our boat is in a boat shed about five minutes from here. Absolutely pouring rain outside. Winter has finally hit. So yeah, it's a little bit cold, but it's beautiful out. Sounds like Canada. Yep. Um, you, Logan, and you guys also have a pet dog. Yeah, we have a dog named Max. Oh, can you walk us through, uh, where did the inspiration for uh, you, Logan and Max, uh, living on a sailboat come from? So for quite a few years, we had wanted to live kind of an alternative lifestyle. We were living on a fairly large property with a big house and knew that we wanted to do a lot more traveling than we were doing our like living in a house was just eating up all of our adventure time and we weren't into it. So we looked into like living in a tiny home. Also, we're both really into nature and trying to kind of live as sustainably as possible. So we looked into tiny home living, but because it's still very fossil fuel based, we kind of decided that wasn't the best option for us. So we decided to just kind of jump on a plane and move halfway across the world to Ireland. And in the process of like moving and packing up all of our stuff, we discovered all of these sailing vlogs of people living on their sailboats. Um, and we've lived along the ocean for most of our lives and had had power boats, but for some reason it hadn't like clued into us that people actually lived on sailboats. So we moved to Ireland, it turned out that that wasn't really working out the way that we had expected it to and decided to kind of head home with the money we had left from that trip and buy a sailboat. And that was three sailboats ago. The first sailboat we had was 32 feet and with two of us and a dog the size of a human, it was just too cramped for us. So we decided to sell that one, bought another one during the pandemic. And that boat was a custom built boat. So we weren't completely sure what she was built out of when we bought her. And it turned out that she was built out of a material that just wasn't going to be feasible for the kind of traveling that we planned on doing. So we sold that boat after doing four months of repairs on her (laughs) and ended up with the boat that we have now, which is a 40 foot steel sailboat. So what were kind of some of the first challenges that arose when you guys first decided to try this alternative lifestyle out? The first thing was that we had zero sailing experience. So we had experience being on the water on power boats, but power boats are a very different ball game than sailboats. Like you can go pretty high speeds in a power boat, obviously, but a sailboat you max out at like seven to eight knots, which is like 11 kilometers an hour. I don't know what that is in miles. Sorry. It's not very, you can walk faster than you can sail the boat, essentially, <laughs> or run faster than you can sail the boat. Learning not only like what all the sails do and how to use the sails, but also how, what you can do and what you can't do with currents and with wind. All of that was a pretty big learning curve. 
And then on top of that, we assumed that it would be pretty easy to just kind of like go into a marina and you could just live on your boat and it wouldn't be a problem. But marinas are very strict about living in them. Um, And because we're in Canada, a lot of the year, it's really hard to get power through solar or even wind doesn't work very well on a boat as far as like gaining power to recharge batteries. So figuring out how we could live not in a marina was not really an option. We were kind of stuck with just figuring out how to live in a marina on a sailboat. So those were the two biggest challenges, I think, was just learning how to actually use the boat and then trying to figure out how to live on it without getting kicked out of our own boat. Yeah. And what, why are these marinas so strict on their policies of uh, people sleeping on them? I think there's a few reasons. The main, like most direct reason is that there's government policies that limit the number of boats that they're allowed to have in the marina with liveaboards on them because of, I guess, dealing with... Um, people's waste I think is the main issue because it's an environmental hazard if you have like 80 boats with two people living on them all you know Mm -hmm. doing their business on the boat and it going straight into the water but there's also a lot of issues with people buying boats and not taking care of them and then those boats leaking diesel or whatever else they have on the boat into the water or just having the boats sink so it also becomes a liability issue for the marinas if you have people living on board that don't take care of their boats and so if, if you weren't staying on the marina, where would you uh, be posted up then? Um, just anchored out, mm-hmm. probably somewhere. Lots of people have mooring buoys and they live on a buoy, which is like essentially just a floating bit of plastic that's anchored down to a block of concrete on the bottom of the ocean. And we could do that as well, but it would probably be us anchored. Okay. And are, are there any regulations regarding where you can anchor up or moor? Or? Um, it's a lot less strict. Hmm. There's definitely areas where you can't you can't anchor or more, but generally speaking, it's like wherever there's a free space, you can drop a hook. It's mm-hmm. just whether or not the bottom's suitable for holding because we get some pretty big blows through here. We get really big winds too. So, and you had mentioned waste as being one of the um, problems with living on these boats. I kind of went through some of your blogs earlier today. So, how do you guys um, do? You guys currently have bathrooms on on board, or you still have to? Uh, go to marinas and go inland we have a bathroom on board that has a head which is essentially just a toilet and then we have like a shower room off to the side Mm -hmm. and there's a holding tank on the boat so the regulations in canada are that you can't dump your waste in an inland waterway so you have to kind of go out into more open water like we can't drop our waste out of the tank going past the city you have to go out into the strait or something where there's a lot where it can dilute a lot better it's not going to cause an issue so that's what our what our usual route of doing things is um this summer we actually didn't have a shower that worked or last summer sorry we didn't have a working shower on the boat so it was either jumping into the ocean or a lake or waiting till we we're back in a marina or in town for a day or two okay so and- we probably didn't smell very good <laughs> 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 and how does how does how does Max handle that situation when he's out in the in the water? Um, we take him to shore twice a day to do his business, so he's okay. Yeah, he's good. It yeah. A lot of people train their dogs to use like grass or something on the boat. Like they'll have like a piece of turf or mm-hmm. fake grass, and they train the dog to use that so they don't have to run to shore as much as we do. But he not into that, so <laughs> we have to take him to shore twice a day. <laughs> He's like training you guys to go take him back to shore. He's like, I'm not peeing anywhere. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm I'm too good for this. (laughs) um, That's funny. And so what were some of the kind of the most surprising 
uh, things you might have noticed with the transition to living on a boat? Was there anything that kind of was either positively surprising or negatively surprising when you first uh, transitioned to this? The most surprising thing for me, honestly, was how community-based the boating community is. It wasn't even actually living on the boat that was surprising. Um, the house that we'd been living in that we owned before we decided to move on to a boat was run off of all wood heat. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of living in the cold in the house, even because it just we couldn't we didn't keep it warm or as warm as a lot of people keep their homes. There wasn't that like steady heat. So moving on to a boat, it's the same way. And we weren't really surprised by that or we were pretty happy to give up a lot of our stuff and just live in a smaller space with less stuff. But the one big thing that surprised me was like how tight knit the boating community is, even though everybody's kind of out on the water in different places. It's kind of like living in a small town, even if you're not in a marina, because of how everybody communicates and shares information and takes care of one another. And that, yeah, that was really surprising to me. And as well as like just how well we kind of connected with people. Mm-hmm. And is it m- mostly younger people looking for alternative lifestyles or kind of a wide variety of eccentric uh individuals <laughs> most uh, around around here okay so vancouver island is like the retirement capital of canada so the median age of people in the town that's closest to us is 78 years old okay <laughs> so around here it's mostly old people or older people a lot of the friends that we've made are older people which might be part of why there's kind of that community too because it's like they're very eager to kind of share their knowledge with like younger people that are getting into the lifestyle So that's been really cool. Um, But there's also quite a few younger people that are living on boats. I think a lot out of necessity versus actually necessarily wanting to be on boats because rent is so insane around here as well as like home ownership is incredibly pricey. So it's kind of been out of necessity in the last few years, but it's a very outdoorsy area as well. And a lot of people move here because they want the outdoor lifestyle. So boating, living on boats definitely goes along with that. Would you mind sharing with us kind of what were like the initial costs of getting to this lifestyle and also what your monthly costs average around? Okay. So if you want to get into a boat in this area, you can spend anywhere from, I'd say like $8,000 up to like $700,000, depending on what you're looking for, what you're wanting, what your budget is. Do you want a toilet or not? (laughs) Yeah. What kind of toilet you want? (laughs) How much electrical stuff do you want on your boat? You know? what material it's made out of all that stuff really contributes to what you're looking at for price. Also links of boat. And, you know, our first boat was like $25,000. I think it wasn't too expensive. Um, and then, and that was like more expensive, I think for the size of boat that we were on 32 feet COVID really messed with prices because everybody seemed to buy boats during COVID. It was like housing prices went through the roof, boating boat prices went through the roof and they've, They've definitely leveled off a bit more now. And I think it'd be a lot easier to find a cheaper boat now if you were looking for something. But for a while there, it was very hard to find anything that was cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then marina costs for having your boat in the marina is anywhere from $500 a month to probably 2000 for a boat about 40 feet or smaller. Mm-hmm. So still, still cheaper than living um, in a condo. If you can find a place that you can live on your boat, which again is a big struggle. Yeah. And then it's just maintenance costs, which really depends on your boat and what you have on board. There's just such a wide range for everything. It's hard to kind of tell people like, this is what you're going to be looking at if you choose this lifestyle, because it's just such a wide range. 
are you guys also working on the boat remotely or do you guys have a lot of free time? We had actually another a sailing guest on a couple of shows ago who said one of the biggest surprises for them was just seeing how much free time they had not working the typical nine to five. Um, so how, how does your kind of day-to-day look like uh, living on the boat? Yeah, there's definitely a lot more free time when we're not doing projects. Right now, it's insane because their boat is literally in pieces in a shed. So it's like we're working a nine to five, but when we're not doing that, um, yeah, the mornings are a lot slower. So when we're on the boat, I might do some work remotely or we might like do work remotely when we're in a town or something, because it's hard to get internet when we're on the boat. Cause we end up in the very remote areas. Logan is a heavy duty mechanic by trade. So like right now he's working part-time, but mostly what his job is, is fixing stuff on the boat. <laughs> a lot of stuff breaks. I have yet to run into somebody who's lived on their boat or spent a lot of time sailing on their boat who doesn't have things breaking constantly. That's just life living on a sailboat. So his job is kind of that. But yeah, we end up having a lot slower mornings. We spend a lot more time outside hiking, enjoying nature we're slowly kind of turning that into more of a career thing as well, because we're filming all of our adventures and sharing them on YouTube. Yeah. That's, and that's just how, that's how we wanted our lives. Like we're a lot happier with a lot less and not having necessarily a lot of like money, but we have a lot of richness as far as like being able to go fishing or foraging for our own food while we're out. Um, Instead of going to the grocery store, we'd rather do that and be able to be really connected to nature and out exploring. So yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a lot more of what our lives look like. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty neat. I think there's a lot of people looking for that nowadays, especially after COVID hit, uh, that, that were locked inside. And I actually spent a couple of uh, months as a scuba dive instructor on uh, Koh Tao and waking up every day with the sunrise, being on the boat, scuba diving. You just feel so much more connected and in tune with the with nature and the cycle of the day with sunsets and sunrises and you know the tides and everything uh when then when you move when i move back to the big city it's like everything revolves around the clock uh you know you have to be here and there and so it just seems like a much more natural uh connection and natural lifestyle when when i'm living on uh on an island or 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 kind of working around nature which which i really really enjoy so when you're talking about this i'm kind of reminded of this um (laughs) and uh, so people who are kind of interested in, in in this uh lifestyle are there any things that you would recommend for them before kind of pursuing this kind of uh, adventure? I'd say in this area, get out on a boat and see what it's like when the weather isn't perfect, (laughs) when it's pouring rain and it's not glass calm seas or like a nice few knots where it's easy to sail, like actually see what it's like on the worst days instead of just the nice times, because it's, I mean, I like the worst days too. I like all of it, but there's a lot of people that have a really hard time kind of, dealing with the dreary weather because I don't know where you are right now, but like here it's like you get eight months of rain and kind of crappy weather. And then you get the four months of the nice stuff. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people from all over the world come to BC during those four nice months. (laughs) And they're like, Oh, it's so beautiful. And then you get here and you don't see the sun for like six months. It's super dark and dreary for me, like connecting to nature is kind of the only thing that keeps me from kind of slipping into that seasonal depression. But it's a lot for a lot of people and a lot of people end up here and end up just deciding that it's too much because they haven't seen the sun in ages and they end up heading back to wherever they came from. So 
Yeah, I'm actually yeah. I'm based actually in Warsaw, uh, Baldwin, and we okay. kind of have the similar thing where uh, it's starting to to, to to it's coming. I can see, it, I can sense it, I can feel it. The grayness is starting to overcome the city, and uh, I'm the same way. I need sun, vitamin D to to keep me going. So I totally can relate to that. And speaking of that, what what there a reason why you chose the location you uh, you have chosen and. Also, is it possible for you guys to be mobile and, and moving around uh, to different locations? Yeah. So the main reason that we chose where we we're at is just this is where we were living. <laughs> this is where Logan's family is, um, which has made it a lot easier for us for like doing boat repairs and stuff like that. Our plan is to head kind of to more northern BC and then hopefully through the Northwest Passage in a few years and over to Europe. But Canada especially this part of Canada is one of the few parts of the world that's still wild. Like you can go into an anchorage and not see another boat or other people for days and days and days. There's no cell service. There's no connection to anything, but like what's right in front of you. And we find that very appealing. The idea that you can be like that connected to nature and that connected to the wild that's in the world that doesn't really exist for many places. So that's a lot of the reason that we chose to kind of stay here instead of like flying to the Caribbean and buying a boat or something like that. What, have you had any kind of uh, specific adventures that uh, have been some of your favorites living out in that part of uh, of Canada? Um, yeah. So two summers ago now, we went up to the Broughton Archipelago, it's called, which is a northern group of islands. If you look on a map, Vancouver Island's pretty long. So like at the northern end, there's a bunch of islands that are kind of like on the mainland of Canada, but they're pretty close to Vancouver Island. And we went and explored them two years ago um, and went into some incredible inlets and found just like epic, beautiful forests that were still old growth and just the most peaceful places I've ever been in my entire life. Like the forest comes right down to the water and the water is so calm that all you see is just the reflection of the forest on the water. So it's almost like this like seamless transition from this beautiful wall of perfect green into the water beneath you. Yeah. I don't even know. There's just no way to like explain in words how incredible it feels to be in these places where you're just instantly filled with peace it's like the places that people talk about going to find god or like finding going to these buddhist retreats to find themselves and to find that quiet and that connection to their soul it's like you just feel that so naturally and so quickly entering these places of peace in nature for me that has been incredibly powerful like i suffer from complex post-traumatic stress disorder from kind of childhood trauma and the only place that I've been able to find any solace from that is going into nature and connecting with nature. And these places have just done that on such a, a profound and large level. I mean, it sounds like you sold me on that. It was like an audiobook of the most, most <laughs> <laughs> paradise nature spot uh, that you can go to. I was actually just in the mountains over the weekend as well in the southern part of Poland. And uh, yeah, they just get a huge... Um, recharge and reconnection from uh going out and hiking in, in the mountains and oh I, I i feel the same way whenever i go i also wanted to discuss about buying a boat since you guys have already had uh, multiple boats what are uh any any advice or creative ways you'd recommend for people who would like to find their dream boat um so the first thing that i would say is figure out what kind of sailing you want to do and find a boat that kind of suits that um 
chances are you can live with less even than you think that you can, mm-hmm. especially if you're determined to just get out there and adventure. So if it's like you've got a tight budget and you're kind of worried about amenities and um, not being able to fit within your budget, like don't be afraid to kind of buy something that's a bit of a work in progress as long as there's good bones. You can do a lot of research and find out which boats are going to be suitable for what you're trying to do because chances are that somebody has owned, has done the exact same thing that you're planning on doing and has figured out which boats are suitable for it and which ones aren't. Um, and then once you go to look for that boat, there's a lot of online resources, like a lot of kind of databases that you can search to find your boats, but also even just going to the docks and walking the docks and chatting to people that you come across on the docks can be a huge wealth of knowledge A lot of the boats that are on the docks are owned by older people and they just haven't listed them online or they're just kind of debating whether or not they want to buy them or or sell them, sorry. So just having conversations with people in person is huge. We actually found the boat that we have now because she was um, in a boatyard and Logan just kept driving by this boat and was like, she's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. So he went into the office for the boatyard and asked them about her and the owner just happened to be getting her ready to sell. We got first dibs on this boat and that's how we ended up with her. So it's just, yeah, getting out there and having conversations with people is the biggest thing. Kind of back to that community aspect I was talking about earlier. How do you go about heating the the sailboat? So our current sailboat, we have two different sources of heat. We have a Wabasto forced air heater, which is essentially like this little diesel unit that creates hot air and then pumps it throughout the whole boat, kind of like central heating in the house. And then the second thing that we have is a little wood stove. Um, And the wood stove is great because it's such dry heat. And obviously when you're on a boat, there's a lot of humidity. So that really helps to dry our boat out. Um, I love that thing. And it's super cute. It's just, yeah, it's like the little ones that you see in tiny homes. If you kind of like look up tiny homes on on Instagram or whatever, it's the little unit that they have that looks so cute. (laughs) Yeah. And it works really well for our size of boat too, to dry everything out. Regarding food, you guys also have a refrigerator on board. Do you guys uh, stock up on whenever you guys are inland or, or how do you guys do your food situation? Yeah, so we have a fridge, freezer, and then we do canning. And then on top of that, we um, like all of our fish and stuff we catch while we're out. We try to do a lot of foraging for berries and for fruit and whatever else we can find. And then, yeah, when we're in town, we stock up. Our plan is to be as self-sufficient as possible. So I think... Once, once we have the boat back in the water, we're gonna, we plan on getting a lot more local meat and stuff like that to keep on board and learning a lot more kind of canning recipes and ways to can to preserve things. Because the biggest issue for us, I think, as far as food goes, is um, we go out into the middle of nowhere for weeks at a time. And after about two weeks, you're kind of out of fresh food. And you're kind of, yet yeah, our freezer is not big enough to get enough space to kind of keep enough food frozen. So we need to get more creative with preserving stuff. I'm a big foodie, especially when it comes to local food and like really tasty ingredients. And so I'm very picky about like which veggies I want to eat and what kind of ingredients I cook with. So being able to can and keep fresh or keep good, I guess what I want to keep is a big deal to me. So yeah, that's in the future plans for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys have a third uh, member join you guys on the boat. What's it like living with a, with a pet on board? Um, it's definitely more challenging, but worth it. Um, he gets us out a lot more too. Like a lot of people end up spending days and days on their boat and they don't leave. And obviously we don't have that luxury, 
So he gets us out into the bush a lot more. He gets us out adventuring a lot more. He limits kind of how far we can go because we can't really do overnight passages with him because he's got to go to shore. I mean, for right now, it's definitely worth it. Like your pets obviously don't live as long as you do as a human. So we're just enjoying the time we have with him before we start doing kind of longer passages where we have to be going overnight. Mm -hmm. And will you be bringing him as well? Yeah, he's going to go everywhere with us until... Until we can't or we can't or whatever. So he's, he's like, he's our baby. <laughs> so he's going to eventually have to tra- be trained on how to uh, pee on the boat, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think as he gets older, it'll probably get easier to do that too. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And does your boat have the capacity to go across like uh, the ocean or, or, or do you have to stay towards uh, more um, uh, smoother waters? Um, no, our boat is good for going across oceans. Every boat that we've bought, we've bought with the knowledge that that's what our plan is, is to like travel afar. This boat right now, once we get her back in the water, once she's all ready to go again, we'll be very ready to cross oceans. Mm-hmm. And is there anything yeah. specific a boat uh, requires in order to be able to go across uh, the, big, the big waters? I think it's the thickness of the hull, the way that the sails are designed, the how heavy the rigging is that keeps like the sails and the mast and all that up in the air mm-hmm. has a lot to do with it. Um, I'm actually not an expert on trying to figure out which boats are <laughs> ocean worthy and which ones aren't. But from what I understand, those are the main things as well as like keel design. But like, there's a lot of boats that aren't designed for crossing oceans that people still use to cross oceans. So mm-hmm. yeah, it has a lot to do with um, knowledge and skill level as much as it does your actual boat. Mm-hmm. So. And you had mentioned Europe. Are there any other destinations that you guys are looking forward to uh, sailing to? Eventually South America, I think. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a goal of ours to go all the way around the tip of South America. And Logan really wants to go to Antarctica eventually too, but I don't, we'll see how that goes. (laughs) I don't don't know. (laughs) We'll see. Um, And then obviously like the Northwest Passage. So our Arctic, we're planning on going through and visiting and yeah, which is very different than the Antarctic. So yeah, we'll see. I, I want to see everything. Like I love traveling so much. If I could travel all day, every day, see everything, I would be very happy. But yeah. So yeah. wherever we go we end up, I would think I'll be very happy with it. Absolutely. I also love traveling and that's why I love doing these podcasts because each time I feel like I'm going on my own journey, uh, learning about someone's story and then also getting tips on what uh, other adventures I can sign up for in the future. So yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Actually, there is a, a podcast episode I did with um, someone that lives in Vancouver. They built an island. Uh, have you heard of oh, Fruit yeah. Cove? I listened to that one not too long ago, actually. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're so cute. I felt like I was just talking to like a wise elderly couple and they're just like <laughs> speaking so soothingly. They're like, you know, in life, you just have to do what enriches your soul. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> love it. There's got to be a yeah. lot. of. There's something about that, though, that area of the world where you guys are from that's uh, very uh, it's producing people where it's very nature oriented and not huge capitalists like us down South and in, in, in America. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. I love, I love all the future adventures, uh, that you guys have planned and, uh, are you guys planning on sticking with your boat, uh, that you have now or also planning on upgrading it? No, this is the boat for us for a while. I'm not sure how long, but, um, at least for a few years, we put, we've pretty much rebuilt a quarter of the boat at this point. So 
Mm-hmm. We're going to, we're going to stick with her and enjoy her after all the work that we put in. Yeah. yeah. And uh, after all like the troubles and, and uh, work you guys put in into this is, 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 is living on a boat worth it? If you, if someone was going to ask you for us, I'd say 110%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we, <laughs> so we spent six months out cruising and it was the best six months ever. And we get back into the Anchorage like three days before we're going to haul out. And I was like, can we just go? I don't care if the boat sinks. Like, just get me out of here. <laughs> I don't want to be here. I want to be out on the water. Like we've been back on land now for just over a year because the boat projects took a lot longer than we expected. And yeah, it's just like, there's been lots of days where I just have to like go back into those videos that we filmed from that six months and just like rewatch them to like remind myself, like, this is the purpose of our lives. This is what we enjoy. This is where we find our peace and our center and our happiness. And just yeah, keep that, keep that at the forefront to kind of keep life moving forward. Cause yeah, we don't, we don't enjoy being on land the same way we do in the water. It's very, I didn't expect it. Like, honestly, I didn't expect to see such a difference between living on a boat versus living in a house, but yeah, it's felt very, very different. For the majority of your time on the boat, what what are you what are you guys uh, doing? Just a lot of free time. You guys reading a lot, writing a lot, editing videos. Yeah, kind of all of that. Kind of just created a lot of space to yeah do like the creative things that make me kind of feel more alive. Unwinding from the stresses in life that really don't seem to serve very much, other than <laughs> exhausting us and stealing kind of our lives from us, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But again, a lot of projects. There's a lot of work on fixing things. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very idealistic, but it's only idealistic if you have the capacity to actually like do the repairs. I said we cruised for six months and we spent a year out of the water fixing this boat. And we've got probably another four or five months, maybe even longer than that, before we're back in the water. And then once we're back in the water, then it's going to be like quite a few projects that need to be finished on the water as well. So it's not... Yeah, it's like owning a house and a car at the same time, but that are right along the ocean and are constantly corroding because of like seawater, you know? It's just... Yeah. And are there any inclinations to moving back at any point in the future? Or is this kind of the lifestyle you guys are, are having in the foreseeable future? This is definitely, yeah, foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Um, so how long have you guys been doing this for now? This is, I think it's just been three years. Three years. and uh, Maybe, maybe four. Th- yeah. Throughout these three or four years, are there what have been kind of like the biggest reflections or lessons you guys have, have learned uh, throughout this journey? For me, the biggest lesson has been honestly like following my own heart and my own soul when it comes to deciding what is right for me has really paid off. And also having determination to get a project done and sticking with your guns, even when things are getting difficult. Um, especially when you know that like on the other side of it as that like soul fulfilling feeling, mm-hmm. it's completely worth it. Cause like this boat project has turned into such a big thing and way bigger than we expected, but the payoff throughout the entire project has been way bigger and in very different ways than I would have expected. Like looking at it, we come from farming backgrounds, both of us, like my, all my grandparents were farmers. Logan's grandparents were all farmers. Our parents grew up on farms and then we decided to move onto a boat. <laughs> So like how far we are from what we grew up with is um, there's a big gap there. And I think there's been a lot of questions of like whether or not that makes sense. But and we didn't have the guidance to be like, oh, yeah, this is what you do with a boat. or This is what you don't do. It's kind of all been learning and very much kind of like in this weird kind of 
I don't know, like gray area where we don't have those examples, but sticking with it because it feels right to us and it's fulfilling to us has definitely paid off. Anyone that's like looking to start out, are there any resources you uh, would recommend or any maybe YouTube channels that you would you, you would recommend someone check out to kind of get the, the beginner basics down? That's a good question. I mean, there's such like a wide range of kind of knowledge that you need, I guess, for living on a sailboat. Our YouTube channel, for one, is very honest about kind of what it takes to live on a boat. A lot of YouTube channels are very much about just the entertainment of like, this is what living on a boat is, the fun stuff. Ours is very much like from step A to step Z, this is what it looks like. (laughs) The good, the bad, and the ugly, what it's like living on a boat. There's also quite a few, yeah, like lots of YouTube channels where you can just kind of Google things to learn how to sail. If you're looking to kind of hear people's stories or more stories about what it's like living on a boat, there's a podcast called The Live Aboard Podcast. And Annika does a great job of interviewing a very wide range of people that talk about specifically living on sailboats. Go to your like local yacht club and start talking to people down there. That's honestly the best way to learn about li- living on a boat or sailing wherever you are is just go and talk to people that are on the docks and the yacht club and take some courses. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a five-day live aboard course and we started and that was probably the best bit of knowledge that we gained. And that was through your yacht club or? No, that was actually just like happened. We went to the boat show and somebody at the boat show was like advertising that they were doing these sailing courses. And we were like, Ooh, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Worth every penny. Wasn't cheap, but it was definitely worth every penny. So yeah. And there are some of these bigger sailboats that actually um, they, they invite people uh, onto the boats with them for uh, a week or two weeks as well. Right. To give them kind of a taste. We had SV Delos on here and they were kind of saying uh, that that's what they do or some other people do as they give them a kind of a taste of what it's like. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of what this course did was like, it was five days of us just like living on board, but also doing a lot of like learning of the basics of running a boat and basics of using like working with currents and working with sails. And yeah, it was like a very good introduction. And you also got to feel what it was like to just be, I think we did one night in the marina and the rest of it was like either anchored out or like tied to a mooring. So we got a wide range of kind of what it's like to be on a boat in different scenarios. And we had crazy weather. Like we had everything from glass calm waters to like 25 to 30 knots of wind. And it was, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend. And are there any certification courses also that you would recommend? That was, that included certification. So every country is different. It's hard to say like what your best road is when it comes to certifications, because there's like anybody can go and buy a boat without Mm -hmm. any certifications and sail it. But if you want to charter a boat to like, just go on vacations and take a boat out, there's different certifications and you kind of have to connect with the area that you're in to find out what it is that you need for those certifications. Also, if you're trying to get insurance for a boat, there's certain certifications that help you get insurance. Yeah. Again, it kind of comes back to like what you specifically want to do and then kind of connecting with people that are already doing it and chatting with them about what the best route is, because it's not, it's not very straightforward. A lot of the boating world. And what was the biggest learning curve in the beginning when you were getting started with that kind of stuff? Yeah. With boating in general, kind of transitioning to this lifestyle. Good question. Or maybe there wasn't one (laughs) natural sailors. No, it was all, it was all learning curve for sure. 
like everything from trying to figure out where we could be living on the boat to figuring out what it was like to sail to figuring out how to ration, like where to put all of our food, like literally the whole thing was a big learning curve and it was all kind of all at once, but it was just so worth it because it was so much fun and just felt so good to be on a boat and on the water that like, it felt like a learning curve, but it felt like we were very much up for the challenge because of how kind of worth it it was. Mm -hmm. One thing you were discussing earlier was how your YouTube channel kind of shows the A to Z's, the good, bad, and ugly. Are the, what, what are kind of the less glamorous uh, aspects of this lifestyle that maybe most people don't see if they're if they're scrolling through Instagram. Boat projects, <laughs> <laughs> living living in storms. Um, the fact that like if something's going to go wrong, it's usually when something else is going wrong or when you're in a tight situation already. Like we had, <laughs> so we were heading back from our trip to the Brotons and kind of heading back home. We had to go through this area that has crazy current. So it goes up to 15 knots, which is insane. There's no way in heck that you're even controlling where your boat is going, let alone like deciding how fast it's going when you're going through this. So we pulled into this little bay and we were waiting for the currents to change. There was about 15 knots of wind, which is really good for sailing. It wasn't, it was like pretty manageable. And we decided that we were just going to fish while we were there. We we're going to try to catch a salmon for dinner. So we're in this little bay we're going along the edge of this cliff looking for salmon because they're in shallower water along the cliffs usually. So we're pretty close to shore and the wind is blowing 15 knots on our beam. So on our side, right? Like pushing us essentially towards the cliff if we're not paying attention. And we don't have an autopilot. So it's just two of us on this boat trying to steer it. And if we take our hands off the wheel, it just wherever the wind pushes us, the boat starts going right logan catches gets a fish on the line and i go to net the fish and while i'm doing that i have to obviously take my hands off the wheel so the boat starts veering towards the shore and i'm like oh crap so i run to grab the wheel to turn it to get us to go back away from the cliff and out farther so that we don't slam into the, the cliff and as i do that i hear this pop and all of a sudden it gets really really easy to turn the wheel so i'm turning the wheel i'm turning the wheel we're not going anywhere and logan's like oh crap our steering broke, our steering broke. So we've got a fish on the line hanging out the back. It's like near all of our steering gear, potentially could be wrapping itself around all of our steering. There's, we don't have any steerage anyway, but like the engine's on. So the boat's still moving and he's freaking out. He like jumps down into the locker as the boat's like starting to veer towards the cliff. Luckily I was able to put it in reverse and because of the way that our boat moves when it's in reverse, because boats almost never move straight back when they're in reverse, they always like veer to one side or the other through the veering in reverse. I was able to start maneuvering it away from the cliff. So I'm like going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, trying to get the boat away from the cliff. The salmon's still on the line, just like doing whatever <laughs> it's doing out in the water. <laughs> Logan's in this back chain locker, just like or not chain locker, sorry, just the back locker, just smashing on stuff, trying, because steering arm went over and then got jammed. So we have like emergency steering, like every sailboat pretty much has an emergency steering. We hooked that up and we still couldn't get it to turn because it was like jammed over so far. So he's in there just like whacking on stuff, trying to get it unjammed. He ends up like hitting himself in the head while he's doing this. Finally gets it unjammed and we finally get the emergency steering figured out. But oh my God, it was so stressful. And then we had to use this emergency steering, which is just like two strings, essentially, that you wind around something and you just like tighten them or loosen them or whatever. Had to use that to get into this bay deeper, drop an anchor, and then try to get the fish in and try to 
fix the steering because we couldn't go. And obviously we couldn't go through the big current area with no steering. It was like, what do we do? And then also if we missed the very narrow window, it's like about 15, 20 minutes before the current really picks up in this area again. If we missed that window, we were going to be waiting another six hours in this bay before we could get through. So, <laughs> so we're sitting there. Luckily, Logan got the steering fixed like just in time and we were able to go through like right at Slack. And we got the fish in. I don't know how the heck the fish stayed on the line, but we ended up pulling the fish in like while we were on the way to anchor. <laughs> so we got this, the scariest dinner ever, but it tasted good. But yeah, it's just like stuff like that. Like it's never just like one thing goes wrong when it goes wrong. It's just always numerous things happening all at once. And I'm, yeah. glad, you, I'm glad you guys got the, caught the prize at the end. That's the most important part. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> almost, a really good fishing story, right? Almost like a shipwreck for one salmon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It was terrifying. And it, yeah, it was like, yeah, just like feet from shore. Like it was it was crazy. And when you guys are on the boat and say that the, some kind of emergency situation like that would occur, are there, do you guys have a communication system in order to call for help or how, how does that look like in case of emergencies? Yeah, we have a radio mm-hmm. and yeah. So <laughs> I'm trying to turn the wheel and I'm like yelling at Logan, like, do we start calling? Should we be calling for help? But luckily he had a good handle on how our steering system worked. That's another big thing when you live on a boat or are you using a boat to cruise around? You really have to know the systems. Like I'd say 90% of us, when we drive a car, have no idea what's going on in the car. I might be wrong. <laughs> That's probably accurate. <laughs> yeah. but There's two pedals you, and a steering wheel. That's it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> things go vroom. You turn, you turn the key and then things work. Right. Yeah. So you can't, you can't do that on a boat really, because it's a huge safety issue. Like something like that. Mm-hmm. Luckily Logan specifically is very well versed on how our boat systems work and was able to fix it. But I'm yeah, glad guys, I'm, so, I'm glad you guys survived that crash. All right. While we're wrapping things up, I was just wondering, are there any other final things that you would recommend or um, advice you would give for, for, for anyone listening, if they're kind of interested in your story or uh, following the same journey? Yeah. Just start connecting with people. If you're interested in doing what we're doing, mm-hmm. there's a really good Instagram community, surprisingly enough, like I know social media can be very difficult, but like when it comes to the boating community, there is a huge, huge community of people sailing and documenting their journey on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And everybody's really nice. Like you'll be hard pressed to find somebody that you message and they're rude to you or don't respond or whatever. Even some of the bigger sailing channels, like definitely just reach out to people and ask questions and yeah, join some groups on Facebook or whatever. Even feel free to shoot us a message. I reply to pretty much everybody. If I don't reply to you, it's because I didn't see your message. So yeah. And yeah. Uh, if people wanted to find you, where could uh, where could they they find more more content or more material from you guys? So our Instagram is the t h e dot wayward dot life. Um, our YouTube channel is Wayward Life Sailing. And if you're on Facebook, we're the Wayward Life on Facebook as well. So yeah. All right, great. So check it out if you guys want to see a little bit more content, some videos of almost crashes from catching salmon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually I captured that whole thing on video too because I was like trying to film Logan catch the fish. So there's like a GoPro filming him, and you just hear him like start swearing, and we don't have any steering. The steering broke. The steering broke. <laughs> He's like running. Yeah, oh, uh, terrifying but amusing from a distance when you're not the one on the boat. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I was just, I was like on the edge of my seat listening to that story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us and we wish you happy sailing. Thanks. 
All righty, ciao. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Travel Tribe Podcast. Join us each Tuesday as we release new episodes with great adventures. Until then, remember, the most dangerous thing you can do in life is to play it safe. Stay adventurous.